All right, hi everybody. Welcome to Agitator, episode 40. We'll be talking about 2015's Bloodborne, released by Sony, directed by the man Hidetaka Miyazaki. We have a very special guest today. This is some last minute shit, so I'm going to thank him for being here. Uh, we weren't going to start talking about media until next week when we did Metal Gear, but I started in on Bloodborne after beating Elden Ring. And I figured there's one person, I know this is one of the ways that you and I connected, is our mutual love of Bloodborne. So please welcome back David Simmons. What's David, up? what's up, man? Bro, yes, we did link up over Bloodborne because I had always been a fan of your work, your books. But then I saw you talking about Bloodborne and I reached out to you about it and you were like, yeah, we actually did a, I actually did a podcast on it. And I listened to that uh, episode where you talked about, you know, writing like how... The, dark, the From Software games are written with like leaving empty spots for you to fill in your own, you know? But yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And yo, thanks for bringing me back to the show. I fuck with y'all, so you know, it's always good to be here. Is the uh, Broken River Trinity yo. Uh, episode. Man, let him know. It's Broken River. I don't know about none of them other things that involve river or anything like that, but <laughs> <laughs> it is what it is. Yeah. Yeah, there's some weird, there's some shenanigans going on, but that's okay. It's okay. I don't, I don't think anybody's gonna make a mistake like that again. They've been warned. They already know what's up. <laughs> we sent all the gifts. <laughs> yeah, we did. That's right. We found all the gifts with guns and. Yo, we down. went so hard with gifts. all the gifts of <laughs> with African Americans wielding pistols and you know all sorts of stuff. Yeah, man. Uh, so how, how have you been, dude? You been good? Man, I, I've been fantastic. I finished my, my book, my, my the one I've been working on the past year. I finished all my research for it, the last few interviews, and now I'm just going over, uh, tightening up some edits and things with the dialogue. So I'm great with that. My daughter's good. My wife is good. She turned 10 months old today. So that's cool. Everything is great, nice. bro. Nice. Congratulations. Thank you, bro. Um, really enjoying uh, Kelby's um, new book really enjoying it i'm about halfway through i like to take my time with y'all books even though they're not long books because there's just so much in right. them i like to go back um that's why i recently read black gum again so that's what i've been up to how about y'all chasing the bread just like jesus <laughs> after the daily bread yeah <laughs> yeah no it, it's been crazy i'm i'm trying to get into like voice work and shit and uh auditioning for sh i like auditions because you can go down a list and be like oh here's some shit going on i'm gonna go try that whereas with like construction and stuff i'm like it's a shot in the dark and then you gotta hope somebody told somebody else about you so that they'd be like just you know it's, it's a it's a lot of prayer involved in the independent grind gotcha <laughs> and yeah yeah basically every waking hour has just been trying to trying to get jobs lined up for me but everything's good. Family's good. I'm uh I'm looking I'm looking to learn how to code because I was I hit up my buddy Fiji on IG. He, they, we call him Fiji because he's from Fiji, and he was telling me about <laughs> how how he learned how to code and he got a job at Intel. And uh, everything that Kelby's saying is true of the freelance editing hustle and grind i don't know i just don't know how sustainable it is like i'm trying to make enough money to get my wife home so she can take care of the boy and i can just work kind of a typical you know 
the man goes to the nine to five and the woman stays at home type scenario. I think that's natural. I think that's good. Uh, I love spending time with my son, but it's, you know, he needs, he needs, a fe- he needs female energy because he just has male energy and he's, he's just wild. He's a wild child. <laughs> so I'm trying to do that because, uh, you know, I, I paid my tax. Oh, I didn't have to pay taxes, thankfully. But if I didn't have the child tax credit and I didn't have the Trump bucks that I didn't receive, I would have had to pay a lot in taxes. So, you know, you get a job editing and then takes the 10% and then the payment processor takes 3% and then Uncle Sam takes 15%. And before you know it, one third of my money is out the door. It's just, it's not worth the hassle. I'll learn how to fucking code, make 70K a year and, you know, taxes still get taken out, but I don't have to deal with the the extra bullshit steps, you know? Right, right. I ain't, I ain't even realized the breakdown was like that, that there were so many people coming in and taking out of the pie. That's tough. They've got their hands in my pockets. Yo. They've got my hands deep in my pockets. I'm tired of people with their hands in my pockets. Unless it's to jerk me off. I'm cool with that. <laughs> uh, unless, you, unless you're a dude, then don't don't do that or if you're a person who's not my wife boom covered all my bases right. i'm good uh you gotta do it because <laughs> you never know who's gonna man i uh every time i see you david and your family you have just a beautiful family oh, thank you, i have to compliment you on that you guys always look like a million dollars it's crazy yo thank you for like that, your man. your photo your photos are, are are fucking perfect yo thank you thank you that's that's my wife and my daughter making it look like that bro if it was just me that shit would be fucked up but nah, that, nah that's, <laughs> that's my wife and my i appreciate you bro thank you bro they're my they're my world you know it's 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 interesting right when you when you get you know your own family how like I don't know. Everything's become so much more insular and insulated, and it's just like I don't even be wanting to go outside no more. You know what I'm saying? It's just crazy out here, and I don't want to be, you know, out there. I want to be, you know, with my wife and my daughter and shit, working on my writing. You know, you want to know something funny? Speak. We were talking about Elden Ring earlier. Yo, you know my wife said mm-hmm. that I couldn't buy Elden Ring until I finished my book, and then when I went <laughs> back to play Bloodborne for a few hours this weekend to touch up, she was like, you know... If you're going to play Bloodborne for four hours, you might as well get Elden Ring. I was like, shorty, I, I finished the book. I, I finished the book. We're good. You know what I'm saying? It's good. We're good. But yeah. She- it's, no, it's good that she's looking out. We got to have partners like that that hold us to, that hold, hold us accountable for our, our video game habits. Yes. Because uh, it's the same kind of thing here. I'm, Elden Ring took me 83 hours, but that was at a rate of about an hour a day. Because if I went over an hour... I could, I'll hear the footsteps coming. It's like when your parent, you know, like you're supposed to be asleep and your parents come up the stairs. They're like, what are you doing? And you're like, oh, watching Ren and Stimpy. Yo. You know, it's, it's the same concept. Yo, just, just or, like, grown up. or like when you had to like watch this, the, well, where I was growing up, it was called the Spice Channel, 95. You had, you didn't have it. You had to watch it mm-hmm. through the like fucked up waves in the TV. And if you saw a nipple, oh, you won. Oh, dude, I know. I remember I would be like uh, I would be like Jason Bourne, you know, like recording that shit on my VCR and then pausing, rewinding. It's like enhance, enhance, <laughs> enhance, enhance until I saw it. And I'm like, I'm like, bro, that is definitely a fucking titty. And then you know, you check to make sure the door's locked, that kind of thing. 
But uh, David, how did you find Bloodborne? Uh, tell us a little bit about your your history with this Yo, masterpiece. I'm so glad you asked me that question that way, man. Because I definitely had an answer prepared for you for that question in case you asked. Because Bloodborne was special to me because it's going to sound kind of crazy, but um, but prior to Bloodborne, I think the last video games I had played was like Sonic the Hedgehog 2 on Sega Genesis. Not um, <laughs> simply because like, okay, so did Bloodborne come out in 2012 or something? Is that? No, 2015. 2015. 2015. Okay, so it comes out, damn. So it comes out in 2015. At the time, yeah, so at that time, I had just got back from, Cal- I was coming back from California. I'd been living out in Oakland for a little while. And um, I, I mean, I kind of had an elitist attitude towards video games because I was in the streets. So I was really on some, I ain't got time to play video games. I got to be out here trapping. I ain't go to, you know, that sort of attitude, right? But I saw somebody at the trap house playing fucking Bloodborne. And I was like, yo, what the, these, it looked different. The aesthetic just looked different than any video game I had seen. It was very gothic. Uh, it was just different. It was, it was a beautiful game to me. And I remember looking at it for a little bit. And then I guess a year or two went by, no, like more than that. So around 2019, I changed a lot of things about like how I was living. And I had a lot of free time all of a sudden. And when you're not in the streets, you got to find stuff to fill up your free time. So I was like, let me buy this, this Bloodborne video game. Let me buy a PlayStation 4. I'm going to get it for the game. It should be fun. But see, I ain't know that that was just like one of the hardest video games ever, you know? So, yeah. uh-huh. <laughs> so man, it was, a, it was rough for a guy that, that wasn't really good at any video games. I tell you, my only regret about Bloodborne is that I didn't play it blind the first time through because mm-hmm. I needed a lot of help figuring out what to do. But <laughs> once I, uh, I got into it and once I figured out that you just need one insight to start leveling from seeing the cleric beast, well, then I just farmed the motherfucking werewolves in that house till I, my level was high enough. And then I started getting good at the video game. You know what I'm saying? So, right. Then right. I got obsessed with the lore, bro. Like, I was obsessed with that story, yeah. yo. Because it's like, it's like all I'm about when it comes to the shit I write and I read. Like, yo, these Bammers was getting high off, off fucking uh, old Great One God blood and shit. And it fucked them up. You know what I'm saying? It's a great story. You know what I mean? And that was my experience. And then, um, and then I became obsessed with the game. I won't say it affected my marriage, but I did get made fun of a little bit. Like, you know, my wife would come down... <laughs> And she'd be like, why is that skinny thing still screaming at you? She's talking about the orphan, right? And right, right, so right, she right. would come down, she'd make a comment. She'd be like, oh, that's cool. And as the hours pass, she'd be like, you're going to still keep playing video games, you fucking nerd. And, you know, so, <laughs> are you going to come up to bed? <laughs> what you doing? So that was my experience with Bloodborne. And I just, you know, since then, I've, I'm into video games. I've beaten Dark Souls 3, Dark Souls 1 um hollow knight uh salt and sanctuary and i've actually gotten good at the difficult video games but i still feel there is no video game that has ever given me the feeling like bloodborne just well that's very it like I, it's so funny to me that we're that, like we're really similar in that respect because i had a a similar reaction to dark souls so for me it was just dark souls first uh and it was about the same time, though. No, 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 no. Not 2019. It wasn't Dark Souls. It was Sekiro. Mm. 
I got Sekiro, and uh, I bought it because I don't know. I just thought it looked cool. It had a ninja on it. I'm I'm pretty partial to old Japan, ancient Japan ninjas, samurais, that kind of aesthetic. So I was like, okay, I'll turn this on and fuck with it. And it like Sekiro, it's a from game, so it's hard as shit, and you die a lot. And I was like, what the flick? But I felt so compelled by the gameplay. And Bloodborne actually was the last one that I beat before. No, that's not true. I beat Bloodborne. I beat Sekiro, Dark Souls, Dark Souls 2, Bloodborne, and then Dark Souls 3. Right. And then now Elden Ring. So, uh, but Bloodborne is unique. And I think that you could make a case out of all the From Software games, besides maybe Dark Souls 1, that Bloodborne is the most intricately designed of all of their games right Mm -hmm. because from software is known for having these levels that that connect in really cool ways right like so you get to the end of a stage and the end of that stage is like a door that you open and then that connects back to where you were in the first place Mm -hmm. right so it's a bunch of shortcuts elevators uh it's all set in this victorian gothic city of yarnum you start off as a as a hunter. You could be a man or a woman or whatever. You pick your you pick your class, but you're having a, somebody's performing a blood ministration on you, and they're they're injecting you with something. And then you wake up and you're in this city, and all of the normal people have locked themselves inside, and there's just werewolves and fucking mutated people everywhere. And then you just fucking go like every other from game you know it's like you don't know shit about what's going on but you're just kind of out there i love that about all these games how you like there's no guidance Mm -hmm. you like and that's where part of the fun is is like playing these games is less like watching a movie or reading a book it's more like creating something Mm -hmm. it feels it's like it's like a writing experience because you don't know where you're going you're trying to get a feel for what this world even is you don't really know who your character is even what he can do so you got to kind of like just figure it out you're like if i eat this does that do something nope okay well oh well shit if i eat this then like i've got bleed damage now that i can perform and shit and it's just this unraveling yarn of and then the the way that the story is is portrayed it feels like there is no story until unless you like really pay attention to what you're doing and like the whole experience like the playing is part of the story if that makes sense oh absolutely it's a you can't you do not know any really anything going on in in some of these from games until you actually get your one of three or one of five ending at the end and then you're like oh that's what they were trying to do the whole time right it's crazy too kel because in them games i bet elden rings like that i know you were playing that too because you'll be like well how was i supposed to know that i was supposed to do that there isn't even a fucking map or any instructions in this game and then you know the the players you know on on the subreddits and shit will be like well if you read the lore description on the item and blah 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 you might have known to go like and i'm like (laughs) bro what we out here reading lore descriptions on fucking weapons and shit so it really makes you get into the game and like really devote time and there's so much to the game that makes it what it is like um david was saying you know you you go into this town and everybody's fucking mutated and werewolves and the normal people 
they are locked in their houses and half of them are crazy too. But you want to know something crazy? If you turn up the volume and you listen to what those werewolves yell at you when you're killing them, they think you're the one that's mutated. Did y'all notice that? Yeah, so this is a thing that happens in every From game. There was a tweet about Elden Ring recently. It was by some guy. Man, you know how it is. People are like just way too online. And they get wrapped up in ideology and suddenly everything becomes about their ideology. So the tweet said, what's funny about the From Software games is that they're all explicitly about people in power destroying themselves and everyone around them to maintain that power. And that's not true. Uh, it's certainly not true in Bloodborne, yeah. although there are forces greater than, than humans. Uh, but what I said in response to that is like, what he's leaving out is that you, you, the protagonist, quote unquote, in every From game is actually the bad guy. Yeah. In, in Sekiro, you're trying to save this boy who you've uh, sworn to protect and you're running through this castle, you're killing all these dudes and as the game goes on, you suddenly realize that, like, these guys are their homeland's last defense against this kind of demon swarm that's coming, right? So you're, like, the tip of the spear for wiping them out. In Dark Souls, I got the Age of Dark ending because mm -hmm. I, I went with uh, Dark Beast. No, not Dark Beast Prowl. That's in Bloodborne. Uh, but it's, like, Koth or something like mm -hmm. that uh, in Dark Souls. And I ushered in the Age of Dark. Like, I snuffed out the flame. Right. Uh, every game, Bloodborne included, in Bloodborne, you're explicitly the monster, right? Like, you kill some people in Bloodborne, and they're like, this is all your fault. Yeah, they, We're finished. That's what they yell at you. Uh, they, they be calling you a plague-ridden yeah. rat and shit like that. I just find that idea to be fascinating. Because I think the deeper meaning that From is trying to get across to people is to actually, like, make you introspect a little bit. They'd be like, wait, what does make me the... What does make me the good guy? You know? you know, it's just this is just the character that I was given. That's why the hunter is not supposed to speak in the game, the comic, right. anything. Precisely. You can't. You can't. It's not supposed to. You know what's really funny? You know when the dudes with the bit, the werewolves with the long hair and the top hats, they hit you and they start screaming, yeah. "It's all your fault!" Mm -hmm. Yo, that shit is 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 hilarious, but also is kind of like it's deep, yo. Especially like when you go to um old Yarnum and that what's that dude's name with the machine gun that that tells you he kills you if you try to jura yeah did you he, yeah he's like leave him alone leave him alone and, and you go in there killing all the beasts he starts shooting at you mm -hmm. yeah you definitely the bad guy in that game for real i would say so. i fuck his ass up dude yeah i, I <laughs> he's he is a pain in the dick He's good though. He he parries like a motherfucker, yeah. and he always has you at a disadvantage when you get to the top of that ladder in that tower. Mm -hmm. so he's just sitting there. He's just waiting for you. You get to like those last three. I've tested it too. I've tried to do it really slow to see if he won't turn around. But you get to like that second to last rung, and he just turns. Hoopla! Who goes there? Yeah, I. Fuck. I've never been able to actually kill him. I've only been able to like lure him off the ledge, and then mm -hmm. and then you know die, and then collect. You know what I'm saying? Like, I've never been right. able to be cool with him or any of that stuff. Because I always kill Blood Starved and Dark Beast. You know what I mean? And not in the order you're supposed to or yeah. whatever. Oh, that reminds me. So Dark Beast, uh, Ebrietus. The story in Bloodborne is so hidden that every single bit of lore that you're going to get besides, like, the very, very end is is optional. Right? Everything is optional. Like, you don't, you don't have to kill the Cleric Beast. You don't have to kill the Bloodstarved Beast. You don't have to kill uh, Ebrietus. 
You don't have to kill Dark Beast Parl. You don't have to kill any of those things. And those are all, like, it's all heavy lore, especially Ebrianus uh, towards the end. Right. So I thought that, and then, of course, there's DLC content, which is optional. Canehurst right? DLC has, is like... The whole Canehurst. Kane, the entirety of Canehurst, exactly. So much in this game. If you were to just run through it, I know there's, like, speed runs of 34 minutes that use glitches and shit, but... I think if you were to just make a, a beeline for it, you knew where you were going without glitches. You could probably do it in four or five hours, like if you're just running straight. But anyway, I just thought that that was I thought that that was really interesting and funny. That so much of it is just you don't you don't have to do it if you don't want to. And you know, and 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 it's really interesting because there are like so many side quests that you would never even know how to do if you didn't walk up to the right window or talk to the right MP. It's not like any other games. There's no guidance. First time around, I killed Eileen the Crow, and that's like one of the best side quests of the game. You know what I'm saying? So I killed... Oh, I killed her too. I didn't even know there was a side quest. Yo, so you've never fought the bloody uh, Crow of Canehurst? No. Yo, see what I'm saying? And you... So... So the whole time, if you that's the thing. You kill Eileen to get the Blades of Mercy. You don't get her whole quest line. At the end of the game, Shorty is stabbed up, like laying leaking outside of the cathedral. And she's like, yo, you right. help me and all that. And you got to fight what a lot of people on the internet say is actually the hardest boss in the game, which is a hunter with a repeating pistol that never runs out of bullets. And... Oh, nice. Yo, he's the worst. Yo, I had to hit him with poison daggers and just run around and go back. And it, I didn't think he was the hardest, but that's the whole thing. You go through the whole game, you miss that that whole thing. Like, wait, did did you? How did you know? How did you figure out how to go to Canehurst? Did you um? Did you look that up? Like, how the fuck you know to to go to that spot? Oh, I looked it up. Right. Yeah, I looked at one hundred percent. Looked it up. Yeah. No, I'm I'm unashamed about this. My first playthrough of Bloodborne, I was like you. I. I watched uh, Fighting Cowboy. Yeah, me too. On YouTube. Me too. He got me through Dark Souls 3 too. <laughs> That's how these games like actually encourage this type of like community around them instead of, like because it's so hard and I hate like the complaining about the difficulty and like the request for like an easy option or whatever is so lame. It's like that's not the point because for one, you don't get that fulfillment of like getting good at this shit and you also don't like it forms this community around it because it's so confusing and it's so hard that you have to talk about it or else you'll never make it through. It's absolutely right. It, it really is. And it's a tight knit community where like when you, when you find out people play the game, it's like, Oh, okay. I respect you. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Cause it, it's a tough game. You know what I'm saying? And you know, it's funny, funny with this game too. I wanted to tell you, so I didn't want to forget this. I got one of my boys into the game, right? And he, he's a street dude. He's not really into like, if he play a video game, it's like Madden or GTA. And he's gotten really good at Bloodborne. And I just want to tell you all this because I think it's really funny. So, so Kelby, in the game, you got to collect these umbilical cords. It, it, you don't have to. It's an optional thing. But you got to collect these random alien umbilical cords. And if you eat, and then you got to eat them, right? And if you eat them, you get like a way different, uh, a whole different boss at the end, right? Well... It's funny because like this dude, he, he texts me and he's like, yo, am I supposed to eat the umbilical cords now or after Murgo, which is a boss? And I was just thinking how funny it would be if the feds were tapping our phones and like they're talking about eating umbilical cords. 
know what I'm saying? <laughs> like, like, on, like on the wire when they're trying, we're like, they're like, what is this? What is that? Exactly. Code for? <laughs> exactly. And I just, I looked at the text. I was like, yo, if anybody saw this that didn't have the reference to the game, like my wife going, she know the game, but if she went on my phone and she was like, they out here eating umbilical cords. Shit would be wild. <laughs> I just had to tell y'all that. That is funny. That is funny. No, so uh, with the with the lore, like you said, I think this uh, story is one of the best, and it made it all these games inspire me to write. And I think it's kind of interesting that we as writers are attracted to these games. Uh, and for me, it's it's mostly these games. I mean, I played Red Dead Two. Uh, I've got games on my system, right? Like I've played other things before, but I keep returning to the From games. <clears throat> and Kelby mentioned the idea that, you know, you're writing as much as you are uh, kind of passively absorbing stuff because you're constantly trying to fill in blanks. <clears throat> and I think that Bloodborne is really interesting because it's, it's sort of convoluted, but not very convoluted. So wanna, I want to see if you're understanding of the plot matches up with mine so Yo. what what is happening in in bloodborne i i i i they, i i might mess this up because this shit is convoluted as a motherfucker like you said but i right. so whole time there's this ancient civilization called the thumerians right and they live deep underneath the ground and where the chalice dungeons are which is somewhere you explore later whole time these bamas found like a dead old god that was like sleeping but dead kind of on that like cthulhu shit and they started like communing with it and getting knowledge and things like that blah 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 i don't know what the whole deal with like queen yarnum and all that david but like something happens through the thumerians collapse and now you got yarnum a new city that's built on top of it so they research the chalice dungeons and they find out what the thumerians had been doing which is communing with these old guys so then you have like a split, right? You got like the healing church and you got the scholars, right? So you got one group that wants to like learn knowledge from these like great one gods. And then you got this other group that wants to get high off their blood or not get high. They want to cure their diseases off their blood. But it's funny if I say it that way. The whole time you got the other group, they, they want to they wanna take the alien blood, the, the god blood and, you know, cure their illnesses. But the problem is that shit make you go fucking crazy and turn into beasts. So then you have the beast scourge and basically you show up and I guess you got some type of illness because, you know, you're getting the blood treatment. And in exchange for your blood treatment, you sign this contract that says you have to go out on the night of the hunt and kill the beast. So that's how the story is like presented. But whole time, the real story is that the old one gods they can't make no babies. They can't fuck each other. They can't make no babies. The only way they can make a, a descendant, a, um, another one, is by impregnating a human, right? So they mad all the time because all their babies die and shit. So, like, that's going on, too. And then there's, a, I think, in my opinion, the, the moon goddess, the, that, that joint wants to kill all those other great ones. So that it can really control the area. And just to make it more confusing, you're dead, Kelby. You're dead in the game. And um what? I think so, right, David? Or I think I think you you're you're dead or you're dreaming. 
the line between what's a dream and what's real because you go into a thing called the hunter's dream which is where you level up it's a different leveling up system it's a little bit more cumbersome than in elden ring so when you when you play bloodborne kelby you'll be like what the fuck is this i gotta go to a whole diff i gotta go talk to a doll to yeah. level up yes you do you, you do you have to talk to her you talk gotta talk to german you gotta do all that and then you eventually go to a place called the nightmare of mensis where you're kind of in this uh other world hell realm that's controlled by this dude with a cage on his head Mikolash. who is he's annoying Mikolash. yeah yeah he is annoying he's not hard he's just fucking annoying uh so i think i think you could you might be it might all be a dream it might but it's kind of like a david lynch movie right. where right. the question is never like like is it all a dream or is it or is it real it's just kind of like the the lines are so blurry you know some fucked up shit is going on because that's that to me that's when it all i'm with the plot up until the hunter's dream and the nightmare of men's i have no idea what's going on with that shit you know you know like <laughs> i thought my understanding is that so and then there's so much more, David. Like I, I left the whole part about Rom being the like the the, the vacuum spider vacuum spider being the whole like um blocking the uh the the yeah, red moon. Right. Like that's a whole thing. I forgot how the Queen Yarnum got the got the bloody um pelvic area because she just had a great one baby. You know what I'm talking about? Like right. there's a lot of stuff yep. in there. I think the nightmare of Mensis was Mikolash created that so he could still keep his knowledge and then because if you notice when you kill him he says oh no i'm waking up i'll forget everything oh that's true oh by the way kelby you'll dig this so the people who want knowledge there's a thread that runs through it uh where they they surgically <laughs> attach eyeballs to their brains yes they're like we we need we need more eyes yo it's very did, yeah didn't yeah. you think very fucking that's, creepy that's how you but didn't it. you think that shit was <laughs> metaphorical at first but it but it's not at all it's it's not it's not a metaphor. I thought it was metaphor. Yeah, because it's like it's a spooky message. You know, you play Resident Evil two or whatever. You got those. I mean, I feel like Bloodborne, uh, as far as survival horror goes, it's sort of in the tradition of Resident Evil, uh, in terms of its gothic architecture and the mysterious messages. It's very much not like Resident Evil. Uh, I was reading this great book called Narrative Design and Storytelling in Bloodborne, and uh, they talk about horror survival horror video games and how they're they're based around number one good and evil right so in resident evil there's no question who the good guy is and who the bad guy is right mm -hmm. and then it's all about putting you the good guy in a position where you just have barely enough you know bullets and herbs and shit to survive uh but bloodborne kind of blows all of that shit out of the water because if you're good enough like i feel like i'm I'm kind of nice at Bloodborne now, so like I'm I'm rolling through, I'm parrying. Uh, it feels so good to have a crowd of like seven, uh, you know, seven Yarnamites mm -hmm. and like bottleneck them on a staircase yeah. and just start go going to work with my saw cleaver and my hunter's pistol. Mm -hmm. uh, no, I have the I have the blunderbuss this time, okay. but I will get the I will get the Evelyn and the Chicago eventually, because that's just I mean, you, you have to if you're a blood tinge build. You gotta, you gotta have that shit. But anyway, um, one thing that the the book is kind of about is the fact that these details that the game designers put in the game are so 
uh, just just intricate, and it speaks of people who, like Miyazaki and his team, know everything that's going on. Like they're not they're not making shit up as they go. Like they have a Bible. They'll, they're never going to tell you what's in the Bible, uh, but then they'll just put like details. Like Vicar Amelia is going to have a little locket, right? Right. And if you read the inscription on the locket, I don't know, it says some shit. I forget what it says. Do you remember what it says on Vicar Amelia's locket? I don't. I know that cutscene's one of the best cutscenes in a video game. When you see her back explode in the shadow, shit is so tight. she's crying over the locket, and then she, she changes. It's such a good cutscene. And the game doesn't have many of those. I don't remember what it said, but you're absolutely right about the intricate details in it. I mean... There's just so much, um, st so for instance, you know, for me, the hardest non-boss characters are those um, winter lanterns. And um, the- Yeah, they suck Right, because they frenzy you, which Kelby, they look at you and this meter fills up. And when it fills up to the top, you're dead. Like you get one shot, at least I do. Yeah, me too. So, and, and all it comes from is them looking mm -hmm. at you. Now, whole time, if you look at them joints, they are wearing the same outfit as the doll which is the same outfit, for the most part, as Maria. So you know all those Winter Lanterns, those are, those are people from the, like, Bergenworth scholars that have had eyes put in their brain. That's why they look like that. Like, they were... Yeah. Yeah, like, there's so many details to that. I mean, yo, there's stuff in the game that's weird, too. What about when German tells you that you can do anything with the doll if you like? Yeah, that's a little sus. And whole time, why does that's the doll look like Maria, who you know was his whole, like, that was his boo and shit? Yeah, he's got a kind of... Are you familiar with the story of Descartes he, and, and his doll? I think so. Okay, refresh me. I don't know. I don't know. I may not... So yeah. Descartes, Descartes' responsible for everything that's wrong with society right now. <laughs> so he, he notoriously came up with, I think, therefore I am. Okay. And he imagined a clockwork world where there's a, you're like a golem in, in charge of a meat machine. You'll hear people say this all the time. Like, you're just a meat skeleton with electricity running through you. Right. right. So completely divest reality of, of spirituality, whatever. But the reason he was that way is his young daughter died. And he would like freak people out because he would bring a doll of his daughter with him everywhere that he could like Oof. make talk and shit Oof. and so people were just like you know let's just let's not tell renee where we're going tonight we're just gonna we're just gonna slip out the back because <laughs> this guy's fucking weird there's tons of interesting stuff too like uh you know on on the just the little easter eggs or whatever uh when you start the game you start it in a clinic and there's a woman there named yosefka um who's treating people for some kind of disease right and apparently you can get to a point where you can actually see Yosefka. Like if you wait, you go to a certain place, you can like peek, you peek in a window or some shit. You talking about when you go from the Forbidden Woods through the back or are you saying through the window? Well, when you through the window, because when you go in from the forest, that's when they're all aliens, right? right. Like you go in there and they've all turned into like aliens that's, or whatever. I've yeah. seen that. Mm -hmm. But apparently there's a way you can see her and she's wearing the, the white healer's robe. Right? right so she's like a part of the healing church all this all this lore right and who's gonna notice that what about the nun that's praying at the bottom in the basement whole time she won't even come with you or talk to you unless you're wearing church garb so there's shit like that in the right. game that forces you to do that stuff and that's why like 
Yo, one thing I was thinking about today, all day before we went on f- for this podcast, is like, yo, who was the first one to figure out like that you had to do the make contact gesture at, at gesture at the brain? Like, who who was the first person to jump in the lake? Like, how did people figure out that shit? The gestures thing was new to me because Elden Ring is actually the first from game that I played, and I had also got Sekiro, and I would have got. David should know this about me. Like you lead with, <laughs> mm. "Hey, bro, it's free." And right. Be like, okay, cool. I'm on top of it. But uh, he neglected to tell me that Bloodborne was free. But you have to use a gesture to get uh, to like call this wolf dude down to you. He's like howling. Uh, and then there's a dude who's like a bush. And when you're running around, you're like, "What's this? Is there somebody yelling at me?" And you basically gotta like whack at the bushes until you hit the right one, and it's like, oh, he was using this like spell to make himself uh, to hide in whatever. He was like, oh, I forgot I used that spell, so and I turned myself into a bush. Don't don't kill me, please. It's just, yeah, it's just all all kinds of stuff like that. It's like who who did this first to figure oh. out how you have to get this? Is you have to like stand over here under this tree and wave in the air well it's like it gets even weirder because there are speed runs of elden ring now i think the world record is uh seven minutes what because people find glitches <laughs> what? seven minutes yeah they they but here's it's so weird because i watched these on youtube and uh i watched an all boss run that was nine hours i only watched the first hour of it but this guy was using glitches to get from place to place and the glitches are, are bizarre like you'll go to a cliffside and drop off and you quit out before you die and then you respawn like you restart it you're on the edge of the cliff and then you run against the rock wall and like jump three times and then quit out again and then come back what? and when you come back you're you're on your horse like flying through the sky now shit like that how the fuck did anybody <laughs> figure that shit i don't out? understand you know what i how mean how like and and elden ring is new if y'all were using walkthroughs who used the who wrote the fucking what like how did i don't understand how they i don't know man because i feel like like i think people go into the code i think they look at the code I think so is what it is i think people people who know this shit they pull the code out it's like you know people who like they mod they'll mod dark souls or they'll mod uh because there's like dark zones uh dark souls arch arch throne mm-hmm. that's coming out and it's like a it's a mod it's got uh it's got guts in it, I think. Like somebody put guts in as a boss, or maybe it was an Elden Ring. But I think that there there are people who know how to pull the code out of the game and look at it, and they they find secrets that way too, because there will be little notes that the developers left to each other in the code, and it'll it'll like answer some mysteries and shit. So I think I think that's how they do it. It, ha- it has to be because like there's shit in um Bloodborne, like in Bergenworth the the scholar uh, college you know area there's like a trap door in the ground that doesn't open or whatever and mm-hmm. if you 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 remember bergenworth is a very small um uh, area right it's a small level yeah and right. apparently that trap door was supposed to lead to a whole nother part to play and somebody did discover that by like i guess looking in the code or something like that but how do you even do that with playstation games well, I don't know. I guess you can do anything. Uh, I uh, yeah, it's out of my depth. Yeah, I'm I'm uh, once I once I become a coder, I'll be able to tell you. Yeah, I'll bro. Be, be like, oh, it's easy. You just pull out the Python. And <laughs> whatever. Yeah, you yeah know. you got to get into that shit. I me I I can't read uh, binary. Um, I'm I'm non-binary in that way. 
Shit. <laughs> Just that way? Just that way? <laughs> really? <laughs> Y'all know that Futurama episode where Bender has to um, read the code that's tattooed on Fry's ass and... He's just like one 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 zero 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 one 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 zero 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 zero, and then it like opens a portal. Like, <laughs> I can fuck with that kind of science. It's like, you know, <laughs> it's magic at that point. Yeah, any significantly advanced technology is indistinguishable from magic. Right. That's alchemy. I was gonna tell you, David. You know, another thing about the game that's really great is it's also the most nihilistic game there's ever been because you um. Even when you think you're doing the right thing to help somebody, it always goes horribly wrong. And I think the little the girl, little girl, the little girl yep. is the best example of that. The little girl in the window. Mm -hmm. So when I play the game now, I don't even go to the window. I don't care about the red blood gem or anything. Cause you know what I'm talking, right? When Shorty's like, uh, have you seen my mom? My dad went outside and he hasn't come back like that whole thing. And then you go to find her dad and, He's turned into a werewolf and his mom's body's line, her mom's body's lying on the, on the fucking top of a carriage and shit. And the whole time, if you help her, she just gets eaten by a pig. Yeah, so, <laughs> she gets eaten by a pig. Like eaten by a big ass pig. You can tell people to go to safety either at uh, Odin Chapel or um, Yosefka's clinic. If you tell them to go to Yosefka's clinic, they're all going to turn into aliens and die. Uh, but you can tell the little girl like, hey, go here. And she's like, oh, thank you, sir. Thank <laughs> yeah, you. Yeah, she says it. And then if you go down into a, a sewer, there's a giant pig and just her body's laying there. And then on top of that, the same thing will happen to her sister if you tell her sister to try to be safe. So they'll, they both get eaten by pigs. Yeah, it's so you, fucked up. It's so fucked up. And and whole time, like, you, if you help that dude, Alfred, you know, go, go mm -hmm. like, you know, yeah. kill Annalise uh, and everything, she just... You know, she comes back to life. She, you can't kill her, and that that motherfucker goes crazy. He goes completely yeah. crazy, like no nobody. Whole time there are people that'll talk to you in the window, and you go back to them later in the game, and they're just like heavy breathing and cackling. Everybody's in hell. Yeah, I like your theory that they're all dead in 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 hell because that would explain why people get so high off of blood. Because my understanding is that the whole blood drinking, blood vials, whatever. That's like a, a simulacra of the old one's blood, right, right? Right. Because the old ones have pale blood. It's actual, just I guess, goopy. Looks kind of like cum. Right. Uh, but the so people drink blood to kind of try to uh, mimic that or whatever, and it just it yeah, it just becomes a plague. I think that Bloodborne is really interesting in its indictment of science and the medical establishment mm. this is my that's my personal ideology considering all the covid stuff we went through for two years right. and, you know you have pfizer notorious for paying the biggest medical fine in history you know uh 1.4 billion dollars mm. for malpractice and you have bloodborne and it's basically that i mean scientists are alleging scientists in the healing church are, are have this whole pose that they're doing what they're doing to help people but hunters hunters are very interesting because hunters are basically just tweaker drug addicts right right who are just like they're they're not doing anything by killing beasts as you've pointed out right like it's it's not it's not as simple as that they're basically 
uh, tasked with erasing the proof, the the crime, the crimes of the of the healing church. Exactly. Right. Like they're just like just make the evidence go away. So everybody that you kill, I I I think what we're supposed to get from it is that they'll go back to normal once the the night is over. But if they go back to normal, they'll be like, "Hey guys, don't drink blood. It's uh, it fucks you up." And that would get in the way of the ambitions of the healing church. So you've got to go hunt. It's absolutely correct. The hunters are essentially enforcers for the healing church to wipe away the evidence of what the healing church did. And you don't even know that shit unless you like read the description for stuff like bone marrow ash and stuff like that. Like you have to read the item description to even like know that shit. It's crazy. Right. Yo, what was, um, yep. what was your favorite boss fight? Um, either the Orphan of Cause, Lud- I, I really like the Ludwig boss fight. I think that the Blood Starved Beast is the scariest one because it's just weird looking. And it's interesting because in the comic book, the Blood Starved Beast is like the main, the main bad guy that like keeps killing the hunter. Really? Yeah. And he's an ancillary bad guy. He's not even one you have to fight. I know. It's funny, yeah. right? I guess it's, he just, he pops, you know, it's a great creature design. One thing Miyazaki does that I think, he said this in an interview once when he's, uh, you know, overseeing his team and they're designing monsters. He said of Bloodborne that people would take him these designs of just these disgusting, grotesque creatures. And he would tell them to go back to the drawing board because he, quote, uh, he wanted there to be an element of melancholy and sadness to the, to the creatures. Mm-hmm. And you see that in all of the designs. Like nothing is just like, it's not just like, you know, a giant dick monster that's oozing pus and farting on you. Like an elderly. Like it's not, it's not (laughs) like, (laughs) like an elderly. (laughs) It's more, I mean, besides, uh, Ebrietis is probably the closest to like a, it's got a bunch of like evil pussies on it. Yo, but did you notice uh, she don't attack you until you attack her? That's right. Yeah. And when you kill her, uh, I've heard this written somewhere. This is not a, a David original, but that her scream sounds almost like it's relief. Mm. Uh, and I was like, the, I was like, it does kind of sound like that, actually. It's like, oh, thank goodness. Somebody finally just put the final nail in this coffin. That's interesting. But I think that about, yeah. about the, the melancholy yeah. aspect, because. Like Kelby, mm-hmm. there's a there's a there's a boss in the game who is a freshly born infant that's an orphan because he comes out of his dead mother's body and then he attacks you with his placenta. And as yeah. he's attacking you with his placenta, he's not roaring at you to intimidate you. He's screaming in pain and sadness. And when you right. approach him, he's crying by his mother's corpse. That's the yeah. type of game it the blood star beast, you talking about the 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 creature design? It's its whole design is is a monster, but it's got this like um this cape hanging over its head, but the cape is actually its back skin ripped up and hanging over its head. Shit like that. What about you? What's your favorite what's your favorite boss? Ludwig the Holy Drip all day. Yo, that yeah. that yeah. motherfucker stops and he looks the, badass. Yo, he, that's a badass cutscene. Yo. That's a badass cutscene. It is, yo. And the thing is if you notice, he's the only one who turned into like he turned into a horse monster. 
But the rest, everybody yep. else, they turns in, turn into like cleric beast type things. Those like fox reindeer looking shits. Hey, hey, yo, he, yeah, I just, I like how he paused in the middle of the fight and he's like, oh, my guiding moonlight. And he starts talking to his sword. That shit's yeah. fucking gangster. It's good shit. What, uh, Kelby, what's your favorite boss so far in Elden Ring? Favorite one to fight was the like crystal people underground. There's like three a three boss fight underground. And I've been playing it weird. Because I jump all over the place. I didn't know there was like even a trajectory. Like the main storyline versus the the extra shit. I, I didn't even know bosses were optional. Like when that dragon came down, I was like, fuck, I gotta fight this dragon now. Like I just started the game. <laughs> and you got fucked up. Huh? I did. Over and over and over again. <laughs> Man, now I just keep thinking about the bosses. Like shit. Uh, I think Godric's pretty badass. And I'm still pretty early. So like. Godric might be my favorite so far just because of how like weird not my favorite to fight like I, I like the bosses that make you you know throw some technique in there and Godric is like run away run away run away and then find the opportune moment to hit him <laughs> but uh yeah yeah it's just bad the way he like uh you know he's all melodramatic with the dragon statue and and then he like or the dead dragon that he's like caressing and everything and then halfway through the fight when he yeah. shoves his fist into the dragon's head and then can all of a sudden breathe fire out his arm and shit yep yo the these from games are crazy dude and it's it's so inspiring too because it's seeped into my writing i i started i started writing basically as a bizarro author which meant that there were no rules in terms of uh, you know, you can have people whose hearts move around in their body, people who have shark teeth. And seeing From Games is so inspiring to me because, you know, they get away with it because it's a gothic atmosphere or it's a medieval atmosphere. But like Elden Ring has these incredibly sick uh, mid-boss cutscenes. I won't spoil all of them for you, but it's like there's the boss always does something like you fight a giant at one point and the its weak point is its leg so you keep hitting its leg and eventually you cripple it so it rips its leg off in a cutscene and then lights it on fire and then starts chasing you with the with the leg that's on fire yeah you know that's like and, a, and amygdala the, who does the same thing yeah she rips off right their, uh, rips off two of her arms and starts attacking you with them that's right i forgot about that which we got to talk about the amygdalas and what those things are what the fuck what's like so kelby the game starts off and you're in this gothic atmosphere and by gothic we mean it's it looks like a tim burton movie basically no way that's what gothic means <laughs> that's basically gothic yeah um and then you get to a certain point in the game and i guess when bloodborne first came out people didn't uh, apparently when the game first came out for ps4 the load times were insanely long and and now you get uh, item descriptions to read while the game is loading, but before it was just the hunter symbol. So you'd have to sit there for uh, you know a minute waiting for your game to reload, just looking at the hunter's mark uh, before it restarted. But because of that, because there were no item descriptions to read, nobody had any inkling of an idea that there were great old ones in the game. So what ends up happening about halfway through the game is that you suddenly go to a place... Well, you go to Yaragul at one point because you, you get kidnapped by these hooded figures. It's very complex, but you end up in Yaragul, the unseen 
village. I think I have that yep. right. Mm-hmm. I didn't get to it in my in my replay yet. Yep. But when you get there, and I remember this because I didn't know shit about Bloodborne when I went into it, and you walk out, and there are these giant spider creatures on like attached to the cathedrals, just like looking at you, and you're like, "What the fuck is going on?" And then there are these little gray aliens that pop out that look like literal goofy celestials grays. Yep, the celestials celestials mm-hmm. yeah exactly so to me it was, it's like this big surprise but i guess to especially the first round of people who like played the game when it dropped this was just completely out of left field they're like what the fuck is going on and an, an important thing to to um to remember is that they were there all along but it takes leveling up and gaining insight before you actually see them and then they're right. everywhere they're they're essentially they um they, their head looks like the the amygdala like the, in your brain right but um then they have spider legs like david said like coming out of them and they're massive they're the size of buildings now my understanding on the lore on those motherfuckers is you know the celestials are failed experiments trying to get humans right. to ascend my understanding is that the amygdalas are celestials that have made it they actually have ascended the thing i found interesting though and i was reading about this on reddit a while ago in japan i guess in like the i I think it's in the japanese version right like with the japanese translation it calls them in the lore like for the amygdala arm a false god whereas in the english they call them a great one whole time I don't know, because when you kill Amygdala, um, it doesn't say Nightmare Slain. And it always says that when you kill Great Ones. So I don't know. Mm. Damn. See? See what I'm saying? It's just Bro, you gotta play this game, tons dude. of shit. But see, but see, but you were talking about, too, with the um, bizarre writing. You know, your, your collection, um, Our Blood in Its Blind Circuit, I felt, I felt mm-hmm. like that was like bizarro noir. Oh, right, right, right. Thank you for reminding me of that because I was going to make a point about that. Basically, like, these games are really inspiring because they're, they they show that you can do whatever the fuck you want. Exactly. You know what I mean? Like, you can have a game that goes from Gothic to Lovecraft uh, or you can have Elden Ring where, you know, I mean, so much weird shit happens in Elden Ring. I don't even really know where to start. And they have, you know, all these Dark Souls games have the out of them being sort of fantasy right i mean sekiro's like that too sekiro gets really weird towards the end but there's no reason why fiction can't do that and i never understood why people who let's say they're writing a literary fiction novel about a college professor who is fucking one of his students right like you're writing a book you can do anything you want why wouldn't you make either the professor or the student like turn into a crab monster right or turn into a fucking like a werewolf like why wouldn't you do these things why wouldn't you have somebody rip their leg off and chase somebody around with it while it's on fire and you it's a book you said that actually the last time i was on the show with y'all either you said it or kelby said it i think you said it it was why not in a book you ain't got to worry about budget constraints so mm-hmm. if you want to you want to have any sort of crazy shit happen you can you know what i'm saying like mm-hmm. I, I agree with you 100 percent. that's why you know 
I write, you know, crime noir fiction and all that, but I always throw supernatural and weird ele speculative elements into it because why not? Because you can. There's even a, like, mundane surrealism to, like, your stories that just, like, feel grounded in reality even though they have some kind of humor to them. or whatever. There's always something that's like, that's that's not a normal experience though you know what i mean right. like no right. nobody pays for heroin by going to get this you know the cheese cheese you know <laughs> like that's surreal is that like a atlanta kind of surrealism exactly which is why i that's, fuck with that show a lot that's a good example of another show that has very has a very similar um is very similar to the way we write and very similar to from software games in atlanta there's tons of stuff that happens that never gets explained just weird shit like remember that dog in the first season that darius was going after mm, mm -hmm. did that ever get resolved the one wait do you mean the one where he was like wait a minute where's the dog oh there yeah. it is. yeah and you remember he, he goes to the gun range and is shooting a, uh, a target of a dog and they kick him out? Yeah, yeah. Is there yeah, any resolution to that? There's never anything else. It's just like you you exactly. know that Darius has something going on with dogs. Exactly. But it never really like throws it at you. It's one and of those things where it's like it you'd have to... It, it's, it's like the the... It's like Atlanta's version of having to read the lore on the back of a pendant. It's like this thing you only pick up on if you're really like, paying attention. Oh, it's, it's absolutely true. In, in your book, um, Hurricane Season, you have a part where you're, you, one of your characters is trying to uh, get better at his telekinesis. And, and that's just in there and never explained, and I still think about it to this day, all the time. You know what I mean? <laughs> Shit like that. You know, all my homies love telekinesis. <laughs> now, there's a there's one of the one of the best jokes in Atlanta. Uh, Rios is is watching it now, so she can catch up, so we can watch season three together. And uh, I was reminded of this joke. You guys remember the invisible car? Yes. Mm -hmm. yeah. in yes. Atlanta? Yes. <laughs> That's what I'm talking. Like, like it's just it's this almost violent. Well, it is violent in the scene because it it runs people over, but it's this violent entrance of the surreal into an otherwise off kilter, but supposedly based in reality television show. You know, that's the kind of shit that I fuck with. Me too. It's not in a fantasy realm where there's like invisibility spells or Harry Potter with an invisibility cloak. It's a completely normal world where they decide, wouldn't it be funny if this guy, this fucking asshole, you know, has an actual invisible car. Yeah, that's the kind of creativity that I that I really go after. Absolutely, absolutely. It just it stands out that much more when when you're watching a show that's about like you know a rapper, an up and coming rapper, and his friend manager and all that stuff, and then just something completely off base and off the wall just happens in the show. It sticks with you. You know what I mean? I also like this idea of uh, you know how Bloodborne how they hide things in item descriptions and also in the environment right? right like you notice like all the statues and things like that elden rings big on this like a kind of a big key that's a debate that's going on in the elden ring lore community has to do with statues that you find throughout the game that people think is like the key to kind of solving the mystery of the last boss um i was thinking about how that 
how that could be like you could do that in books too you know i mean you could just you could just describe some shit and then kind of keep it moving and it would take people three or four read-throughs to be like oh that's what that was you know it's just i think it's a bit more difficult because people don't often reread books i mean i do i know y'all do but a lot of people don't so uh yeah, I just I think, but I think that kind of shit is cool. Just hiding Easter eggs in the text. Yeah, that well, that that is very cool. There's um, there's a bunch of authors who well, not there's a handful of authors, y'all included, who who hide those Easter eggs well, and it really makes it fun for for a fan of y'all work. Um, let me since I I keep talking about y'all writing, let me mention somebody other than y'all and other than me. You know who does a good job of that shit? Uh, Jeremy Robert Johnson. He's got a um, he's yep. got a book called Skullcrack City, right? And in that book, right, there's like there's this gang, or they're bigger than a gang, but they're a group, and they're called the Voktang, right? And mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. there's a whole like element in the book where this like drug, when you're addicted to it, it makes you feel like a wolf is chasing you, like breathing down your back. And I just decided to type Voktang in in Google, right, to see what it was. Yo, that shit means wolf-bodied in, like, Norwegian or some shit like that, right? And it's, like, an ancient word, right? Like, an old word? Mm-hmm. I'm like, that type of shit is, is amazing, yo. Like, like he put the work in to do that for me. And that's how I feel when writers do right. that shit. I'm like, yo, thank you. Thank you for doing that. Thank you for putting that work in. I saw that, I saw that Twitter exchange, and apparently, what, were you, like, the first person who caught that? I was. I think Jeremy told you. That's he, what he He said. was like, nobody's caught that yet. <laughs> but that but it's and it feels so good when people catch that shit too yeah. like when somebody takes time to go google it and find out what it means you're like oh fuck you're the one you, you did it you figured it out yo see see it's this fun- I, see in the book that i just finished the um i i decided to make all the locations and everything is real so like in the book i wrote it happens in one day because the main character has to get back to the halfway house before curfew right and Mm -hmm. the whole book happens in one day but if you were to read the book and you ever to visit baltimore you could travel the the journey that the main character goes through and everything i talk about in the book will be right where you see it you know what i mean and Mm. Mm-hmm. And doing something like that was important to me because I see I see authors like like Jeremy Robert Johnson I just mentioned they put you put that extra work in there you know just shit like that it, it matters it makes a difference yeah you know hundred percent I'm stoked for this book too yo thank you I've, bro I've been hyped since I first started reading this shit yo bro I ain't gonna lie like reading y'all books and and, and dabbling back with y'all's and some Brian Evanson and stuff like that. It, it really like like I was actually done with this book sort of like maybe three months ago but you know when you got good people around you who are just you know I was always taught to hang around people who are doing as good or better than you because it'll make you strive to reach their level right so you know having y'all and having you know my network and everything has has made me go back and make the book better you know what I mean because you you see other people doing stuff you're like damn that was great I got to go back in. I got, I need, I need a moment like that. You know what I mean? I feel like books are back. I feel like books are back in a a really big way. Like books had a little bit of a rough patch over the past decade or so. I feel like all this shit is coming back though. I feel the energy 
I go outside and I put my I put my ear to the ground like a, a Comanche hunting buffalo and I can just like I can just hear it. I can hear the rumble in the distance. I live in Oklahoma so I'm allowed to make that cultural reference. <laughs> but <laughs> Oh my god, yo, that's funny. Yeah. No. For but like yeah, yeah. A hundred percent, I think so. And it's I, it's like unique voices too. It's all it feels like starting over, like a new genesis, like because everybody that I'm become that I'm just getting hit to, like doesn't have a ton of, like most of them don't even have a book out yet. Like you know, David included, like uh, Corey Bennett. You know, we've been fucking with his shit for a while, but he hasn't like dropped anything yet. And a lot of expat people for like first novels, and that shit's been pretty fire. I actually had somebody just DM me something today, and uh, I know I've even said on the show before, like I, I that, like I've talked about DMs in negative ways, especially from writers. But uh, I fucked with this dude, so I was like, "Yeah, send me something." And he was like, a, "It was like the first story he's ever written, and it's really good." I'm like, "That makes total sense to me, though, because there's no inhibitions, there's no like." Right. Um, any kind of like preconceived there's no junk in your head about what you can and can't do what you should do what you like it's just uh it's just writing whatever the fuck you want to and that's where the good shit's coming from it really is yes it really is and if you like if you look at us if you look at some of the some of the authors you're talking look shit shit let's take grant for instance right grant he's out in la Mm -hmm. right Mm -hmm. he writes some funky shit right he does tarot cards and stuff, and he be in the gym getting cut up for the ladies and shit. Like that ain't your typical author profile from 20, 30 years ago. Nope. Motherfuckers was ugly it as shit, now, drinking though. in the bar like Charles Bukowski and shit <laughs> like that, getting fucking harassment charges, ugly as a motherfucker, overweight and shit. Now it's right. mad different. I mean, Kelby got hella tattoos and has guns all over his fucking books. You know what I'm saying? I- I'm a real ex drug mm-hmm. dealer, so. Like, you know, shit is jive like different. <laughs> shit is different. You know what I mean? And I, I, and I think you, you write, there is a resurgence. Like, I, I don't know, just people that, that I never thought would read are taking an interest in reading and not just my shit. So I agree with you on that. Dude, dude, check it out. See, here's the, here's my theory about this whole thing. Cause you hear authors complain about this shit all the time. Nobody reads. I call bullshit on that. I think everybody reads. I think everybody reads. I just think they haven't found anything that they think is interesting yet. So check this out. Like the, the literary establishment is very concerned with diversity, right? They want to make sure that, uh, you know, that like that we're all praising these books by, by people of color or whatever. But what they completely ignore, what they completely ignore is that the number one reading demographic by size of the population is already black women right it's just that black women aren't reading the books that they think they should be reading you see what i'm saying like so they're they're sitting there and they're like oh we need diversity diversity i'm like what are you talking about like black women are actually the some of the only people who buy books religiously you know what i mean they're just they're buying them from the romance section Mm -hmm. which is a completely legitimate like read they're reading i don't i don't fucking judge anybody for what they read 
turn around on the other side, I mean, there's dudes who are just reading sci-fi and fantasy. Those aren't approved by this big literary establishment. But I've known some white nerdy dudes who will go into Barnes and Noble and buy every new hardback fantasy book that comes out when it comes out. They are avid, avid readers. A big stack had to be this one dude I was hanging out. It had to have been his stack had to be like twelve thousand pages altogether, combined with all the books. And I was like, "Do you read all of those?" And he's like, "I mean, if I like them, yeah." He's like, "I just, I just buy them." Mm. So between black women, white nerds, uh, black men read. I mean, they, everybody reads. This is the point that I'm trying to make here: is that we have these like weird racial distinctions that are pushed by a kind of a, a, a just say it you know it's a liberal establishment right but they don't like it because it's not the right type of reading but my point is everybody reads everybody reads they just you're just not writing anything that they're fucking interested in but well they don't they don't let like the diverse voices speak on what they want to either like i know i'm sure you've heard way more than i have as being on the editorial side like people like different people of color who have like written like such and such fantasy novel or whatever yeah and they were right. told like you know this isn't black enough or whatever one of, one of my clients is a black dude uh and he's a really good writer and he wrote he really likes the tv show peaky blinders so he he wrote this series about uh white gangsters in you know like the 19th century like peaky blinders basically right and he was telling me, he was like, he's like, yo, I have issues selling this because they're like, uh, when does your your blackness come into this? And he's like, what are you talking, like, this is mm. just shit that I like. Like, let me live. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yo, that is, that's fucking crazy, man. You gonna pigeonhole somebody by by their race and, and make it like they got a right? For, it's just, it ain't right, man. You know, and what you were saying is interesting too, um... When I was younger, there was a book that came out by um, a black female author named Sister Soldier. Yeah, the coldest winter and ever. The book was called "A, a Coldest Winter yes, Ever." I've read that. Y'all know this book? I've read it. It's fantastic. It's a fucking great book. It is fantastic. And you want to know something? Hmm. I probably I know about maybe I don't know. I'm not even going to say numbers, but almost every black woman that I knew back in the day when that book came out had that book. Right. Bro, it's still like you feel what I'm saying. Like number two, like in the yeah, uh, it's still a big seller. Yeah, it's huge. Sister, and and that book is a it's a real life experience. It's a it's a a real life experiences book that like you know it. I don't know. It's just interesting. It's interesting that you said that because when you made the comment about black women are the highest uh, largest demographic of, of reading and all that, like buying books, it made me think about that. Yeah. Yeah, and my my, my my point to all of that is that, like, this whole, uh, just this literary establishment, right, this cathedral, if you will, this healing healing church of, of, of writers and editors in New York City who have decided for too long what people are supposed to read, I feel like that's just, it's just dying out. And we're the people, sometimes for better, sometimes for worse, who are, we're just going back to doing shit that we think is cool we just spent an hour talking about a video game that we like you know what i mean like because that that is 
people get into politics and ideologies and they want to argue and shit like that but you have every second of your life should be a performance of things that you find inspiring you see what i'm saying so like mm. and that Damn. that's what we're doing Bars. that's what we're doing every second that you can should be spent as a kind of living performance of your uh, of your generative artistic vision right it should be about the things that you love i heard once that what made donald trump so powerful on twitter was that he made himself a center of gravity right around which everything else revolved okay mm -hmm. and i took that and i was like that's brilliant right like this dude has really figured out social media he knows what the fuck he's doing so if you go to my social media now, sometimes I'll slip up and I, I end up deleting the, the tweets really fast. But everything that I post is about some shit that I'm into, whether that's Berserk or Bloodborne or Elden Ring or my own writing or somebody else's writing. Everything is all about shit that I fuck with because it, you create your own center of gravity through the performance of art appreciation, right? And you bring people into that orbit with you and in a society that is all about <laughs> fucking just extracting everything out of you until you're dead, the best rebellion that you can do is, is to love life and love art and talk about Bloodborne. You know what I'm saying? Right. I mean, bro, I totally feel that. I mean, when I'm with social media, I used to be way more wild back in the day, but now now that i have shit out there that's like published in anthologies and like people are paying attention and all that shit i don't so just like you david i only i mean i post i don't post there's tons of shit that pisses me off or i want to talk about but i never talk about it because i just want to post about my family baltimore and the shit that we're doing yep you know what i'm saying yep. like i want to post about y'all writing i want to post about mine i want to post about the other authors i like um but I don't want to be on there arguing with people about politics and things like that or fighting with people. And so I feel you. It's just, but it's hard Neither sometimes. Neither of you can change anything. That's the whole thing. Yeah. I can't change anything. You can't change anything. They can't change anything. But what you can do, you know, people always talk about, oh, we got to reach across the aisle. We have to make coalitions. The way you make coalitions is that you just fucking stop talking about shit. How, how you play is what you win. You see what I mean? Mm-hmm. Well, Absolutely. Any, Absolutely. Final, any final thoughts on Bloodborne? It's my favorite game I've never played. <laughs> <laughs> we got to get you on it, and then um, I got to get on Elden Ring because the book is now finished, and um, now I have permission to play Elden Ring. I, so I got to get on that. All I got to right. get on that. Now. Excellent. Well, yeah, man. Well, thanks, dude. Um, take care. Thank you all. You have a beautiful family. I feel thank you, I brother. feel lucky to know you, and uh, thanks for coming on the show. Yo, likewise. Again. Thank you both, man. I, I love talking to y'all, and um, you know, get the strap for for that other company and <laughs> for the other book publishing company. You already know Broken River Books. That's what it is, baby. Uh, I appreciate y'all, man, and I love y'all, man, and I'll talk to y'all soon. All right. Peace. All right, fellas. Later. Be safe, man.